Hello, everyone, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, July 29th, 2022. I'm Mike Gachopoli. Well, we've made it through another week. We've made it through another week, and here we are on Friday. I hope everyone's going to have any one of big plans. If you have any really big plans, I'd like to know what your big plans are. People always talk about that. They say, oh, big plan. They say, big plans this weekend. Do you have big, big plans? Big pl- What's big plans? Go to a movie? Go out to eat? I'm going to be getting together uh, on, uh, what is it, Saturday night with a bunch of friends. And we're going to get together and have a have a nice time at some local Restaurant. I won't name the restaurant. See, what happened was during COVID, a group of us found places that were not doing the mask mandates or the vaccine mandates. Those of you outside, you know, a couple of cities don't really understand that you had to have a vaccine passport to go to a restaurant in in a, a few select cities, including New York City and here in San Francisco for a while. It was several months, several months, I'd say. And, uh, of course, the mass mandates were in, in many cities. Um, but we found places that didn't do the mask mandates or the vaccine passports, and we gave them our money. And this is what I tell people all the time. Yes, you can go and complain to the restaurant. You can call the owner. You can write to the owner. You can do what you want to do. But just don't patronize places, systems. Like when I was in New York City, I did not go on the mass transit there. And why didn't I go on mass transit? Because they were requiring and still do require masks. And I won't give, not that I was going to wear a mask. I wasn't going to wear one anyway. And people told me, oh, 90% of the people aren't wearing masks. But that wasn't the point. If you have one of those mandates, I'm not going to give you my money. I'm just not going to give you my money. And here in San Francisco, where, you know, BART, the Bay Area Rapid Transit, which used to be a a world-class system, not just a a good system for this country, but a world-class system and probably the best one of the best mass transit systems in California by far has been totally shot to shit, has become a complete shithole. People die on there. Someone just died of a drug overdose on there. But as long as you wear your masks, this is how insane these leftists are. This is how insane these Democrats are. That as long as you wear your mask, it's fine. We, we, they're obsessed over wearing masks. And they put up signs now saying you can be kicked off. You can be kicked off, Bart. You can be fined if you don't wear your mask. Yet you can do crack. You can do heroin. You can do fentanyl, you can kill, you can die, you can rape, you can rob, and that's fine. And they either won't arrest you, or if they do, you'll be out the next day with no bail. This is how crazy the left is now in cities like this one, like San Francisco. So what I say is, I'm not going to give them my money. Not only is it dangerous, not only is it filthy, not only is it a shithole of a fucking system now, but I'm just not going to give them my money. Because they have this mask mandate. Period. I'm just not going to give them even a dollar. And that's the point. So you need to starve them. Starve the beasts. You need to starve them. So either they change or they go under or whatever. But they're not getting my money. And that's what I continue to tell people. Just don't give them your money. Don't give that restaurant your money. Don't give that bar. Don't give that transit system in that city your money. Don't give that city your money if they have mask mandates or any kind of mandates that have anything to do with COVID or monkeypox or polio or their mother's ass. Anything. It doesn't matter. So what the hell was I just talking about? How did I get on BART? I was talking about having, oh, okay, yes, right, 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 right. You see, it's Friday. It's a long week. Um, going out with friends uh, on Saturday night to a place where they did not have mask mandates and vaccine passports. And we continue to patronize these places. And this is what I tell people. Just don't give the places that did that stuff. If they're doing it, don't give them. I don't don't think they're doing it anymore in this country, are they? But they might bring it back in New York or here or L.A. Look, they tried to bring it back in L.A., right? And if any businesses comply with that crap, just don't give them your money. Or if businesses on their own, which is even worse, decide they need to do this mask mandate thing, don't give them any of your money. That's all. It's very simple. That's the way you protest. You use capitalism. You use the free market to protest. And so, yes, that's that's my plans anyway. That's how we started this whole thing. Plans for the weekend. Big plans. Big. Everyone's got big plans. What's your big plans? So I'm going to fly to uh, I'm going to fly to Venezuela for two days. Those are my big plans. Stop asking people about their big plans for the weekend. 
to fly to, I'm going to fly to Tahiti for 48 hours. Anyway, I digress. I digress. It's a Friday, so I'm digressing. I was walking back home from the gym today through the uh, streets of San Francisco where there are at least some people. I, I, it's a Friday. It was a Friday afternoon. There's some tourists. You know, I walk through. I walk past Chinatown, like the big gate of Chinatown. That's on Bush and Grant Street here in San Francisco. And every time I walk through the, that that Bush and Grant Street where the gates of Chinatown are, there are always tourists taking pictures. They just they just stand on the corner of street. So you people they don't understand. That people are like walking. This is a street for walking. It's not Disneyland. It's like a street for walking. And so I'm walking, and you got to go through like twelve of them on the taking pictures of the gate of Chinatown, like it's a big deal. You know, taking photos of each other, taking selfies. And it takes me like 35 minutes to, to cross the street, to cross that street. But as I'm walking back, I notice on a, uh, on a, on a, on a uh, telephone uh, street lamp, there's a sign. And it, says, it has a picture of Donald Trump. And it has a picture of him behind bars. And it says, put Trump behind, arrest Trump for a crime. It was like, you know, these crime, crimes against humanity, crime, all these bullet points. Like he committed like 35 crimes. And I thought to myself, my goodness, they're still putting these things up. The guy has not been president for almost two years now, two freaking years, and they can't let it go. And, of course, most of the things they say, some are so ridiculously outlandish. Of course, it's not conspiracy theories if you're on the left, right? If you're on the left, it's not a conspiracy theory, only if you're on the right. But if you want Trump to go to jail, there's no conspiracy theories. Anything you say, he's done, right? Anything you say, he's done, right? So, but most of them have been refuted, like Russia, 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 all that nonsense, all the stuff the Democrats in Congress, like Adam Shithead, has been talking about for, what, seven, eight years now, saying they're going to get him on this. See, they're so close to getting him. We're so close. He's going to jail. We're so close. All these things have been refuted. And, of course, it's been total bullshit. They haven't been close to guts. But the Trump derangement syndrome is just insane. It's immense. If you put up those signs, you're, you're, you're mental, you're, you have a mental You have a mental illness if you put up those signs now. Not only is this man living rent-free in your, in your brain, in your head. But you simply can't let it go. It, it, you know, it would be one thing. It would be bad enough if he were still president. But the fact that he hasn't been president almost two years and has zero power over your life, and you are still obsessed with him. And of course, it makes me always laugh or cry or both, is that Democrats are obsessed with him. They say, oh, he's a fascist. Look at this fascist, this fascist, this authoritarian because of his mean tweets. I always say, what, what, so what policy? What policy was fascist? What policy was authoritarian? Was it his policy to lock everyone down? Was it his policy to make restaurants close? Was it his policy to uh, force you to get a vaccine in order to work? Oh, oh, those weren't his policies. Those were Biden's policies. Those are Biden's policies. Those are Eric Adams, Democrat New York policy. Those are London Breed, Democrat San Francisco's policies. That's Justin Trudeau, liberal leader of, 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 uh, of Canada's policies. Those aren't Trump's policies. But see, that's okay. That's not authoritarianism. That's not authoritarianism, right? Because like Hitler used health, they use health. So health is involved. So it's not authoritarianism. It's not fascism. But mean tweets. Oh, my God. Look. Oh, but Trudeau and Biden and, uh, and, and Newsom, and they don't, they don't tweet mean. Trump tweets so mean. His tweets are so fascist. I don't know you can have fascist tweets. I don't know you can be a fascist by tweeting. I didn't know that. But once again, the real fascism, the real authoritarianism, that the Democrats have imposed on us for going on three years now and are still doing, right? They're still, still doing it. Mass mandate in BART. Barbara Farrar wants to do a, the 85th mass mandate in a city of 10 million people. So they still either are doing it or, oh, they really can't wait to do it again. But no, we were obsessed with Trump and everything is Trump. Everything is Trump, right? Biden still blames Biden, Biden blames inflation and, and high gas prices, not just on Putin and COVID, but Trump. And that's what Dem- Democrats have that holy, unholy trinity that they blame, right? Trump, Putin, COVID. Well, it's their own policies that created all this. It's their own policies that created the, the economic downturn during COVID. It didn't have to be an economic downturn during COVID. It didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to. In many, in many states, it wasn't. Like Florida, in many countries, like Sweden, it wasn't. But here it was in many states in, 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 in this country, including California and New York. It was that way because they're run by Democrats. 
So it's their own fault. But they, they have this Trump derangement syndrome where everything goes back to Trump. Everything goes back to Trump. But we don't have to deal with those mean tweets anymore. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, because you were forced to go on Twitter. These Democrats were forced to go on Twitter and read the tweets. Well, actually, they weren't. But the tweets were highlighted, you see. Every time Trump put out a mean tweet, which really just means, by the way, when they say mean tweet, they just mean like direct, non-political hokum. That's what they mean. As, as Biden would say himself, no malarkey tweets. That's what they considered fascist. And so they would show them on CNN, right? Oh, look at this horrible tweet, MSNBC. And that's how the left knew about his tweets. Most people on the left didn't go through Twitter. They didn't follow him. They didn't follow his tweets. Their eyes burned when they did that. They didn't do that. But they saw these little snippets of how many characters you can have on, on 200 characters on Twitter, on CNN and MSNBC and their local news. And they said, oh, God, what a fascist. What a fascist. I mean, if he didn't like a politician, he would actually say he didn't like them and they were a loser in his mind. Oh, God, could you imagine a politician actually saying what they feel? Could you imagine a politician actually saying what they feel about a subject or an issue or or a policy or a person? Oh, no, you have to use political niceties. In other words, bullshit. And then it's not fascist anymore. It's fa- When you speak your mind in a very direct in a very New York way, that's fascist. That's fascist. But no, no, uh, keeping kids out of school, masking two-year-olds, forcing children to get vaccinations to go to school, forcing teenagers to get vaccinations to go to high school and college, forcing people to get vaccinations to support their family, that making people wear masks for three years, that's not fascism. That's not authoritarianism. That's all for the greater good. Oh, the bullshit. The fucking bile. It's disgusting. I want this to be a light Friday, but there's never a light. I've been saying I want I've been saying I want to do light Fridays for nine months now, and I haven't done in nine months. I haven't done what is that nine? I I can't add thirty five, thirty six weeks. I haven't done one light Friday yet because I don't think it exists. I mean, there's just too much Michigas, you know, Michigases going on around the this country, and it's all sport. But I tried. I'm having a nice Friday workout at the gym, very light, like a light Friday workout lower body, by the way, the TMI. But then I'm walking back and I see this stuff. I mean, it's right there in my face. It's right there in your face in San Francisco, just like, you know, homeless and shit on the streets and piss on the streets. It's right there in your face. So you, it's hard to ignore it. And it kind of, you know, in a way I laugh at it, but it kind of ruins my day because I'm living around, I'm, I'm living with these people. I'm living like in an, in a, in an insane asylum, Right. I like to call it outdoor, quote-unquote, free, insane asylum. And that is depressing to me. I mean, some people can, you know, like like lint on the shoulder. They can just knock it off. But I can't do that because I think I'm, I'm living among these people. And when I see them wearing masks, I know who they are. I guess that's one good thing. As I've mentioned, like the movie They Live, where you put on the glasses and you can see you can see the, the, the aliens. You can see the, the – the, you can see the uh, – the enemy. So I guess that's good in a way that we can see the enemy now, but in a way it's very depressing because of how many of them there are. And at the gym, there are still several people. I've mentioned this before. People think it's racist. Well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm projecting, but I've seen this before. Mostly Asians. I'm just saying the Asians are wearing the masks. 90% of the people I see wearing masks are Asian. Now, I know there are a lot of Asians in San Francisco, right? So let's look at the correlation causation thing. But still, a lot, nine out of 10 people I see wearing masks are Asian. So what does that mean, really? I mean, it's because it's a cultural thing, right? But they don't even realize. I thought they were the smart people. I thought Asians were the smart ones. Aren't the Asians the ones who are like sitting next to you in your class, the Asian kid, and they get an A minus and they want to kill themselves? And you're thinking, shut the fuck up. Aren't those the Asians? Aren't they the smart ones? the ones who get A's easily and they can't put two and two together. They can't look at Japan. Ian Miller puts out these tweets all the time, showing the charts, showing the numbers, showing the real time numbers. They can't see that Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, China, they can't see all these countries, all these Asian countries that have been wearing masks long before COVID and continue to wear masks now at about 95% rate. 
having huge through-the-roof numbers that are higher than the United States, higher than states like Florida, where no one's worn masks for a year and a half, higher than states like Texas, where no one's worn masks for a year and a half. They can't see this. These are supposed to be the smart people. Wait a minute. Why did COVID even hit their countries? Shouldn't COVID have just hit countries where people don't wear masks? They've been wearing masks in these Asian countries for decades, especially in China because of the pollution. So they've been wearing masks there for decades, and yet COVID took over their countries. Right? How? I don't understand how. If they had those protective masks, if they had the protection on long before COVID got there, how did COVID get there? It doesn't make any sense. I don't. I don't get it. But they can't seem to put two and two together. They just can't seem to put two and two together. Also, I have found, unfortunately, and this might go back. This could be genetic. I don't know what it is, but it could be just uh, societal. But I find that too many Asians are very submissive when it comes to government, government telling them what to do. We see this in China, right? We see this in China. Although I wonder what would happen if those people had guns or if those people were allowed to have guns. I think that would be a deterrent, just like it is here, right, for the government to, to, to just totally take over and, uh, and put their boot in people's faces. But it seems as though that is a cultural thing where the Asians are very submissive to government. You know, government tells them what to do and they do it. Um, I, I, I think that's a problem with that culture in general is that they, 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 maybe they just believe that government is doing things for the greater good, that government's there for good and government's there to help them. And what they say, the experts are saying should be followed. That could be, that could be part of it. I think of course that's total bullshit. And we've seen over the last three years where that's total, that kind of mindset is, is, is wrong. It's just simply wrong. So that annoys me. I see these people wearing masks here and I don't know. It doesn't make me respect them. It doesn't make me respect their intelligence. It doesn't make me respect their spine, like the backbone. It doesn't make it, There's nothing about that I respect anymore. And so they're all around me here. And you, my feeling is, and I think I've talked about this with, with people I know here who feel the same way, is that it might be that way here forever. You know, there's still going to be a, a, a section of people who are going to do this probably forever. And I mean forever until we, until we die. I think that's what's going to happen. And that's very depressing. It's very depressing to think about, I'm going to have to see this. I'm not going to be here that long I, in San Francisco. I should make that clear. Um, I intend to be here, but not in San Francisco because I can't think about like two years from now, this is still going to be this way. Five years from now, people still a decade from now, People so even if it's ten percent of people, like that's I don't want to live in that kind of a place. I don't want to live in that kind of a place. Of course, always as I we've talked about before on the show, always under the democratic rule where they can bring this back if they want to, tomorrow or ten years from now. So I don't want to have to live like that. No one should have to live like that. My feeling is the people who want to live like that are the ones who want to live like that. Right. Everyone else has either left this place or wants to leave. That's why when they talk about, you know, one out of every five people having left, you know, 150,000 people having left in the calendar year 2021, but they don't talk about, and I understand they can't quantify this, is how many people want to leave. I think if every one person that has left is five people that want to leave, but just can't because of their circumstances, because they have a family or they have a job here, they can't give up, whatever it may be. They can't just pick up and leave, but they would love to have the freedom to do with those one in every five done and leave. So I think that really when they say, if you say 20% of the population, or let's say 150,000 people left San Francisco in the calendar year 2021, I would say maybe half a million would want to leave here. I mean, it's a little high. Let's say double. Let's say maybe 300,000 people would want to leave here and just can't because of their circumstances. So that's the overwhelming majority. When you put together the people who have left and the people who wish they could leave, that's the overwhelming majority of this city. And that's depressing to live in a place like that. The streets are empty here now. This is late July, early August. Usually the cities are packed here with residents and tourists. But most of the, many of the residents have left. Some are still paranoid they won't go out. And the tourism is, I'd say, Maybe other people who live here can, can, can come on and talk about this. I'd say cut in half. From what I'm seeing, tourism is, is at, at best 50% of what it usually is. At best, 
maybe less than that. So that's very depressing. And this is all goes back to my, you know, the title of the show, the headline, which is Trump derangement syndrome is a mental disorder. And everyone knows this except Democrats who have it. You know, like with most disorders, people on the outside can see it. Doctors can see it. But the people who are stuck in it can't necessarily see that they're sick. And this is a is a is a is a mental disorder that I don't think is going anywhere like mass. I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon in Democrat cities, especially since he's still visible. Donald Trump, right? He does rallies. There's talk that he's going to it's imminent now that he's going to announce he's running. And that, unfortunately, will just make this Trump derangement syndrome worse, right? It's not going to make it any better. It's not going to help heal these people. They're just going to, they're going to go really, when he announces, if he does, and I hope he doesn't actually, but if he does announce he's running again, they're going to go insane. They're going to go through the roof. The Trump derangement syndrome, oh my God, it's going to multiply. It's going to multiply. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt in my mind. One of many reasons why I don't want him to run again. Because the people in this city where I live, San Francisco and New York and D.C. and L.A. are going to freak the fuck out. It's, it's like you've taken the uh, taken medication away from the people in insane asylums or, or uh, added stimuli, which they can't handle. I mean, it's going to it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. There'll be a lot of shows about this, I'm sure. So we'll see what happens. Word is, you know, you can't really believe the gossip. The word is, though, he's going to announce pretty early that he's running. Anyway, Joe Biden, by the way, speaking of Trump derangement syndrome, since he blames everything on Trump uh, or the MAGA king, as he calls. How crazy you have to be to call the former president the MAGA king? You have to have Trump derangement syndrome in order to come up with something like that. Something that the guy's going to embrace, right? Which he did. Uh, Joe Biden's Gallup approval rating of 40, 40, and that's Gallup, by the way, which is higher than most. Some some polls have put him at 30, but Gallup is at 40, which is now the lowest of any president at this point in his presidency. Uh, this is very funny. Clay Travis wrote this. I like Clay. He, he wrote, Joe Biden's Gallup approval rating of 40 is now the lowest of any president at this point in his pregnancy. I think he meant president. Actually, pregnancy sounds better. Since Gallup began polling in 1954. So that would include Trump, by the way. Lower than Trump's. Uh, whatever, 19, 20 months into his presidency. It's really... It, it, that's that's also depressing. I, I, it's depressing in two ways. That four out of ten people still like him, according to Gallup. But also that it is that's low. I mean, that is low, 40. That was the lowest since 1954 at this point in the presidency. And how is it going to get better when his mental state is only going to decline over the next couple of years? I mean, his mental state's not going to get better. It'll have to either, you know, stay the same or probably get worse as he's going to be older. So it's, the, it's so bad. I mean, I don't know how, how we deal with this for another two years. Yeah. It'll make great podcast fodder. And I, I love, you know, I love making fun of this guy, but it's not good for the country. It's just not good for the country. It really isn't. It really isn't. Let's see if we can break down the numbers a little bit. If I can go into this Gallup thing. I should do like polls every Friday, especially now with the midterms only a few months away. Uh, well, it says 40. Well, but then, then you go into the details. It's 38. Oh, I see. 30% of Americans approve of the job, of, of the job Biden's doing. Six-quarter approval average of 40%, lowest for any elected president, and Biden ratings among Democrats, independents, also at low points. President Joe Biden's approval rating has fallen below 40 for the first time and now sits actually at a personal of 38. So why is the heading 40? I don't get it. But it's 38 now, actually. So let's see. 38. Uh, between September and June, the president's rating had ranged between 40 and 43. A year ago, Biden's honeymoon period came to an end when his approval rating dropped to 50. That was a very quick honeymoon. Wondering, how how do you get the most votes for any president in history of the country, 81 million, and you drop to 50 only six months into your presidency? Very odd, very odd. You think that's very soft, 
support, huh? Amid a surge in the U.S. coronavirus cases, and then this public support has eroded after chaotic this, that, and the other thing. To July 5th, 59% of Americans disapproving, so it's 38 approved, 50, so it's minus 21 points underwater. A follow-up question finds 45% of Americans strongly disapprove of Biden's performance, compared with 13% who strongly approve. These numbers are just awful, all of them, all of them, one after the other, one after the other. And very, the worst part is the independents. Although 78 approval among Democrats is, is, is horrible, by the way. Trump was generally 90 to 95% of Republicans. And 31% of, of, of independents approve. That's horrible. That's a new low. That means only one out of every three independents approve of Biden, which means with those numbers, he could never be reelected. And with those numbers, the Democrats are going to have a tough time in November, a very, very tough time. More great news, more great news. California exodus continues with L.A., San Francisco leading the way. Why are we, after living in the Bay Area for nearly seven years, Harry Raghavan and his wife decide to leave for the East Coast late last year, as we said, the mass exodus in 2021. They were both working remotely and wanted to leave California because of the high cost of living in urban crime. We moved to the Bay Area because we had to be there if you want to work in tech. That's why they were here, these people. So here, here are people who worked in tech who had to move here because of the tech industry and still couldn't take it anymore and left last year. This is incredible. These numbers are incredible. Between 2018 and 2019, California, an outbound move rate of 56 that rose to 60 in 2021. Citing changes in work-life balance opportunities, more people decided to quit their jobs. So this is, this is once again, another LA Times writing this just today about how this mass exodus happened. Uh, the number of Los Angeles residents leaving the city jumped from around three, 33,000 in the second quarter of 21 to nearly 41,000 in the same span this year. California has grappled with – remember, they can't really track everyone that leaves. These are just the people who are able to track. I mean, if, if I left tomorrow, how would they track me? They wouldn't be able to really track me if I left tomorrow. So a lot of people they can't track. These are the people who they've been able to find out left and track. So – we can add this other group of people who have left and haven't been tracked, right? People who are left and not in these numbers. So you got the people who have left and are part of the numbers, people who have left and they haven't been able to track. I guess we'll call them California gotaways. <laughs> and people who want to leave who can't. No one really wants to be here anymore. Only the, only the, the staunch Democrats, Newsom, Pelosi-loving Democrats, and numbers are dwindling by the day in that category, really want to be here really think this place is just run wonderfully, right? Oh, this is just run brilliantly. Pelosi and Newsom just got to stand up job, stand up job. Gascon, uh, Chesabudin, same people, stand up job. Stand up job, not prosecuting criminals. So this is uh this is the 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 state of things here in California. Trump derangement syndrome. People leaving by the tens of thousands. Tens of thousands of more people who want to leave but can't, imprisoned here, at least for now. Hopefully, everyone will be able to escape eventually. And a president with extraordinarily low approval ratings, extraordinarily low approval ratings. Now, the job of the Republicans is not just to use that and think that's going to be enough. You know, that's like if you're playing a, a, a game, if you're in sports, right? You're playing a game and the other team's bad. Just the other team being bad isn't good enough to win. You got to be great. So you got to play to your potential. So Republicans have to realize that just these numbers are, are good for them. But they need to show people why they should vote for Republicans, you see. They need to show people why you must go out and vote for them as well as voting against the other guy. That's the important thing. That's the element. That's the unknown element. Republicans are usually pretty good at that. Democrats are usually the ones who suck at it. But let's see what happens. I mean, that will be the difference. The Dem Republicans are taking over Congress, but it depends. The margin, the tsunami will happen only if the Republicans can also motivate people to vote for them. So we'll see if they can do that. And this often is done on an individual basis, race by race. 
And if you're stuck in a place like San Francisco, you have no clue what's going on, right? You don't know what's going on in these races in Pennsylvania or Ohio or Arizona or Georgia. You don't know. We were stuck in this, in this, in this vacuum here where Republicans can never win and will never win, unfortunately. I hope the best for John Dennis, who's running against Nancy Pelosi. You should absolutely vote for John Dennis. But of course, his chances of winning are very slim and the chances of Newsom losing are very slim. So we're stuck in this vacuum here. So it's hard. I, I go on Fox and I look at the polls and I, I try to look at the ads that are being run. And, but it's not easy. So it's hard to figure it out how it's going to work nationally because you really need to be on the ground in these places seeing how these uh, uh, candidates are running their campaigns, basically. Like in, in, in Pennsylvania, Oz seems to be letting Fetterman – uh, define him, which is that he's an outsider. He's a Jersey guy. He's a Jersey guy. I mean, that's Fetterman's whole thing is that he's Jersey. He's not Pennsylvania. He's not from here. He's a carpetbagger. He should, you know, he's coming up with bumper stickers, Oz for New Jersey, New Jersey for Oz. So that, it seems to be sticking because the polls show him about up by about 10 if the polls are right, which they may not be. But if they are right, his, his, his defining Oz right now seems to be a problem. We'll see if Oz can correct that over the next few months. Um, so, once again, there's no reason to vote for John Fetterman. In Pennsylvania, which is a swing state, a purple state, the fact they would vote for John Fetterman, a guy who is pro-lockdown, pro-mass, pro-vaccine passport, pro-everything, the fact they would vote for that again and put him in the Senate in such a powerful position as one of 100, that makes no sense whatsoever. But it comes down to what kind of campaign is Oz running, you see. That's very important. What kind of campaign is Oz running? Because in a state where Democrats still hold the voting edge, it's dwindling, but they still vote a, have a decent voting edge. You got to have a reason why people should vote for you. You got to do that. You have to run a great campaign, almost a flawless campaign in a place like that to win. It doesn't seem like Oz is doing that right now. But we'll see what happens. Like I said, I think it's, it's a marginal thing, but the Republicans are going to need to give people a reason to vote for them, not just to vote against Democrats. It, that's called enthusiasm. Otherwise, people will just default to their party that they usually vote for or they won't vote. What you want to do is get people to come out and, and vote for Republicans. You want to energize the base and you want to get Democrats and independents to vote for you this year. So that's, that's the trick. That's the trick. I know how to do it, but none, none of them seem to be following. This is my problem. None of them seem to be following my advice, which is to talk about the lockdowns. People complained about lockdowns. Most people in this country were against lockdowns, okay? Most people in this country are against continued. Even if they were for mask mandates two years ago, most of them are not for it now and continuing on forever, okay? And vaccine passports and mandates, most people are against the idea of forcing people. So, this, this is what the, the Republicans need to focus on. The Democrats did all this stuff. They destroyed the economy. Do you want to vote for them again so they can destroy the economy further? Do you want more lockdowns? Do you want more mask mandates and vaccine mandates? Do you want COVID to continue on forever? Then vote for Democrats. I think it's a very easy argument to make. But I see Republicans, unfortunately, shying away from that. Yeah, they're talking about the economy and gas. and But they need to really say what the truth is. Democrats caused this economic downturn because of their mandates. Do you want more of that? Do you want your kids' schools to be locked down again? Do you want your kids to have to stay home, which means you can't work? Do you want that again? Then vote for Democrats because they made that happen. You see, I should be a can I should be the campaign manager of all these candidates. All of them. They should all hire me because this is what needs to be. <laughs> this is what needs to be put in the heads of people. This needs to be hammered over and over and over again. If you want what happened for two years to happen again, vote for Democrats. If not, you got to vote for Republicans. To me, that's the, the closing argument here. And I want Republicans, if you're listening, to talk about that more. You shouldn't shy away from that because you don't want to talk about COVID because you'll be seen as a, uh, I don't know what, as a COVID denier or vaccine uh, denier, whatever it is that you're afraid of being labeled as. You need to tell the truth which is Democrats caused this with their useless 
authoritarian fascist mandates. And if you vote for them again, it will it will tell them you were okay with that and it's okay to do it again. And you shouldn't be afraid to talk about Trump derangement syndrome. Everyone knows it exists. Everyone knows it exists. Independents know it exists. You should be talking about that. Blaming everything on Trump instead of taking personal responsibility. Democrats blaming everything on Trump instead of taking personal responsibility for what's happened here. So we'll see if they can do that. That is that is the question. That is the question. To be or not to be. That is the question. So what else is going on here? What else can we wrap up the week with? Let's see what's going on here. Well, let's see. Let's see. Well, uh, I think we've pretty much covered everything except, oh, and I'll talk about this more next week. I want to talk about it all week long and I've forgotten. Lori Lightfoot evidently loves to run red lights and speed. And she has all these, she runs all these red lights and gets all these speeding tickets. Now, most of us would be put in jail, but of course she's the mayor, so she's not put in jail. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And, um, and so she has all these red light tickets, running red light and speed, and she won't pay them, which of course would also put us in jail. But she's the mayor, so she doesn't go into jail. This woman is a, is a disaster. She's, she's a grotesque to look at. And she's a, a disgusting person. She's a disgusting person. She really is. She's disgusting. She does nothing about the crime. The crime is through the roof in Chicago. Beautiful city, like every other city, being destroyed by Democrats. Once great city being destroyed by Democrats. But now she's a criminal. I mean, the mayor is a criminal. And and she uses her power as mayor to just not pay these tickets off. And there are no consequences. She doesn't get fined for it. She doesn't go to jail for it. This is more Democrat hypocrisy. This is more Democrat hypocrisy. Those are how awful the Republicans are, how they, oh, Trump is breaking laws. Trump is a lawbreaker. And here's the mayor of a city who runs red lights and speeds and doesn't pay the tickets. Just the fact that she runs red lights and speeds, she should be gone. But she's not paying the tickets? How stupid are people that they would vote for her again? Daniel, how stupid are people in Chicago that they would vote for this Beetlejuice lookalike again? Well, at this very moment, maybe maybe I should have delayed making my call. I was trying to find out who, who the hell she ran against. I mean, how how butt ugly was this person that she ran against? I well, mean, the, the the problem is just like in New York and Chicago, it, you can't, Republicans can't win. So it can be the most disgusting looking, grotesque person, and if they have a D next to their name, they're in. That Daniel, that's why she can run again. That's why she can run again. Well. This, this uh, appearance is the only thing that Gavin Newsom has going for him. And, of course, we're in a heavily Democratic state. So, um, yeah, as you said, he's he's going to win the uh, the again as the governor um, and will be stuck with this piece of crap for for years to come. And people I just, wait, I just thought of a great continue. joke. Sorry. It's Friday. It's late. And I thought of a great. So her name should be really Lori Heavyfoot, right? Ah, <laughs> Yeah, 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 or Bigfoot, yeah, yeah, Bigfoot sightings, yeah, 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 Sasquatch, 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 yeah, he loves to speed and run red lights in the late nights in Chicago, what a, what a trash person, I tell you, incredible, yeah, so I think the exodus is going to continue as, as long as, uh, um, Gavin remains, uh, governor, um, People that are are not uh, extremely bent politically um, are going to continue to leave the the state and they're going to continue to leave San Francisco. Um, I would have left San Francisco um, uh, about the Bay Area about 12 months ago when my son went off to um, college, um, the last of my children to go to school. And... I would, I would have left at that point if it were not for an NIH grant that we're still waiting on them to deliver the the final um, acceptance letter on. And if it wasn't for that, I would I would have left long ago. And 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 now I'm so ambivalent about staying, you know, grant or not. I'm I'm, I'm ambivalent about staying because, you know, when I moved here um, from the East Bay, 
um, I thought, you know, this is something I've always wanted to do. Living in San Francisco would be like living, you know, kind of like the closest thing that I'd probably ever do in my life to living in Paris for a few years. Well, it's very much like living in Paris right now, but it's like living in Paris during the Black Plague. Well, um, yes, it is. It is. And as I've said, they don't. They like to talk about the people who have left who they've been able to track. But there's, like I said, there's some, I'm sure so many people who have left who they can't track. Um, and also people who want to go who just simply – my guess is the people who want to go who simply can't go outnumber the ones who have left at least two to one, three to one. You know, So it's like when you add that up, there are very few people who are happy to be here. Like I said, only, only those really ignorant Pelosi Newsom lovers are happy to be here. But that's such a small, small percentage of the people here now. Remember, even the people who vote for Newsom and Pelosi often do it just reflexively voting for a Democrat because they say, oh, I can't vote for a Republican. They don't like them. Their approvals are low. They don't like them, but they don't have the balls to vote for a Republican or the the brains to vote for a Republican. Well, it's it's really strange. I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent as of July 2020 when I dumped a Democrat party, which had been with for, for ever since I was uh, 18 years old. Um, so I, I'm not a Republican, but um, I totally agree with you. Um, when it comes to derangement syndrome, most most of these presidential derangement syndrome, they have them frequently with every president. They usually die the, the day the, the next uh, uh, president takes office. This one is kept alive. Uh, usually the, the derangement syndrome, in my experience, is, is a grassroots derangement. Um, this derangement syndrome is being fed and kept alive by the media. And usually the, the media <laughs> was known to, to drop their, you know, their participation, if at all, in, the, in presidential derangement syndromes when, when that next president was, re- was elected. But um, they, will, they will not let go. Trump Trump was good for them. Trump got them ratings. And as we were talking about last night, um, this, this is the media is going to protect the media. Um, whether they have a bias toward Democrats or not, they're going to protect the media. Just like, the, just like you know, they made the huge mistake of uh, backing the uh, invasion of Iraq. And what did they do? They protected themselves up until they delivered some, two years later, some lame mea culpas, a few of them. Uh, about about uh, hyping up the Iraqi WMD bullshit, which never existed, of course. So the media is going to protect the media, and that's 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 where we're at right now. We, we've got a media that simply will not give up on Trump derangement syndrome because they see dollar signs. Yeah, and we've seen the media now changing the definition of a recession. You know, to would they have changed? Would they, look, I, I don't have to ask this question, but I'll ask you anyway. Would they have changed the definition of a recession if Trump were president? They wouldn't have changed the definition of recession. They wouldn't have changed the name, the definition of woman, or or, or, or sorry, erased the definition of woman. The, um, they wouldn't have changed the definition of, of, or they wouldn't have buried their head in the sand when inflation started. I mean, th- this this is the most surreal time in political and socio economic history of this country that any of us. Have, have lived through. No matter what your age is, if you're alive right now, you have not lived through a more severe political and socioeconomic moment than these last two and a half years. Well, yes. And uh, speaking of the media, one, one, one last story I wanted to uh, cover um, is, is the media made a big deal, if you remember, of that 10-year-old Ohio girl who was raped and and of course the left the leftists made a big the pro choice people made a big deal of it because they were saying that Ohio wouldn't let the woman wouldn't let the girl get a get a you know an abortion which many which most of the people in Ohio most of the politicians in Ohio say is total bullshit that they do make an exception for rape and incest and there's no way they would never allow a ten year old girl there's a lot more to go on you know a lot of a lot of people don't want to think about like the real specifics of it like a doctor who was confronted with a situation where a ten year old girl gets raped and and impregnated, I I don't know how much, I don't know how they would feel about doing an abortion on a 10-year-old, whether they feel it's safe or not. That could have been part of it, too. There could have been one doctor who said they didn't feel it was safe or didn't want to do it because it's such an odd situation. So there are many details that go into this. Of course, the left media and the pro-choice people won't talk about specifics. You know, they won't talk about, 
uh, they just they just they just want to they just want to further their narrative that in Ohio you can't get an abortion. It's, a, it's so draconian that even a ten year old girl who's raped can't get an abortion. So they made a big deal over that. But what they didn't make a big deal over is the fact that the guy, the twenty seven year old scumbag Gerson Fuentes, who was accused of raping her and impregnating her, is an illegal alien. You see, you notice the left media didn't want to talk about the fact that this guy should never have been here. And under under Joe Biden's open policy is here. And, and, and you know, the conservatives talk about this all the time. Well, should the people who believe in, in not, you know, in, in, in closed borders, in, in actually following the law to come here, talk about this all the time about how there are a good percentage of people, not most of them, but a good percentage of people who, who sneak through, who are gotaways, who get in this country, who are illegally, who are criminals and do things like this. But the left media doesn't want to talk about that aspect of it. They just want to talk about their narrative of Republicans, or draconians who want 10-year-old girls to have to have the pregnancy if they're raped. You see, it's all about narrative. That's all yeah, it is. It is. And, and what's, what's amazing is that we didn't used to talk about narrative in this country until about two and a half years ago when this COVID thing started. And the question that everyone should be asking themselves is why? Yeah, this, 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 the, the, it is so obvious now that there are lines of narrative, narrative, narrative lines that can be, that are connected and there is coordination connecting, connecting these lines of narrative and they run throughout Traditional media, being newspapers, television, and social media, and this this narrative is is ubiquitous. We didn't used to have this ubiquity of narrative that dominated every form of media. We could this couldn't have happened in in pre-internet America. It simply couldn't have happened. So you know, from my perspective. This term narrative comes up so, so often is because we have become so electronically connected that narrative has become this extremely powerful and useful tool, an easily controlled tool like no other time in our history. All you have to do is type a few words on a device and boom, it's across the world. As opposed right. to run, as opposed to running millions of printing presses, or getting on you know six different stations and you know and 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 fighting to get on those stations in 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 in, um, in 1980s television, um, it's just you know it's right there at the, at the tip of the tip of your fingers. You type something if if you are. If you are the head of CNN or Washington Post or New York Times and you want a certain narrative to get out there, boom, you can do it and you can do it. it that, that, that lie and that narrative is, like they say, it's halfway around the world before right. the tr- truth can get its shoes on or before another narrative, counter narrative, can, can get its shoes on. And here, here's something else that is right up your alley. Uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, this is yesterday, fired another 200 city workers for not getting the jab. This brings the total termination count to 1,752 workers. At this point, at this point, this is just a power thing for this, this son of a bitch. People defied him, and he's basically saying, how dare you defy me? I must maintain power as mayor. Sorry I have to do this to you. That, that's basically what he's doing to him now. Yeah, I mean, we know we know it doesn't stop the spread. I mean, even this jerk knows it doesn't stop the spread. So it's, if at this point, you're right. It's all about control and saying, you know what? I have to show them how, how big my dick is, basically. That's what he's well, doing. Well, he's probably telling himself that, oh, I have to defend the authority of the mayor's office. That's probably how he's, he's defending it in his own mind. But in truth, what you say is more accurate. And how, but how easy would it be if these people had any, any, not just brains, but any heart or soul to say, well, we, we thought, we thought this would stop the spread, even though of course that's still not an excuse to do this stuff, but they could say that, right? They could, they could, they could get out of it. They could, they could squirm at it by saying, at one point, we thought this stopped the spread. We now know it doesn't, so we're not going to do this anymore, and we're going to hire everyone back. Well, they, they don't. They don't even have. They don't even have the heart and soul to say that. To do well, that. Po- politicians could do that. 
um, uh, infectious disease experts um, could couldn't do that. No, but it's because, so, because but that's, they that's knew so from the very beginning. That's so frustrating. These politicians love throwing people under the bus anyway. So they can easily throw the infectious disease, quote unquote, experts under the bus, right? You know, they, they can blame a weatherman. They could blame them. They could say, oh, we thought these doctors knew what they were talking about. They were wrong. And so we did this and we shouldn't have. They could easily just throw the doctors under the bus. Well, they're, they're, the two groups are protecting each other at this point. Uh, the, the so-called experts are protecting the politicians, politicians are protecting the experts because the experts knew the real experts knew from the very beginning that these mRNA um, vaccines were very, very, almost almost 100% surety would not protect against transmission and infection. That was a that was essentially a scientific given from the very beginning. And if you talk to any of any people that are actual experts, that is what they would have told you. So right now you have a group of experts that are afraid of getting called up by politicians and a group of politicians that are afraid of being called up by those experts and saying, hey, we told you this wasn't going to work as, right. as a tool for controlling infection and transmission. You, you, you denied it or you denied us that, that um, platform for, for telling the uh, public how better to deal with this, which is get healthy. <laughs> you know, lose the fucking obesity. You know, right. so, so 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 they're both protecting each other at this point. The so-called experts are protecting politicians. Politicians are protecting the experts, and and until one of them has the heat turned up on them enough, they're going to continue to do that. So so my hope is is that at some point, and you see some cracks already. You see mm-hmm. the Burks, for example, admitting that um, they they never had any hope that this would um, prevent transmission or infection, right. and and then you see things like J, J, uh, experts like Jay Bhattacharya, who's mm-hmm. always been a voice of reason. His he said from you know yeah from the very beginning, no one no one expected these things to prevent transmission and infection. So if you can if if cracks start forming with respect to the quote unquote experts. And they're ready to turn on the turn on the politicians. Yep, that could be all, all that we need. Right, right at this point, they're, they're both protecting each other. Yep, they're, they're like the mob. They're like the mob. And, and as soon as as soon as you bring one of them in, mm-hmm. and you make them know for sure that they are going to spend the next twenty years in, in prison, then you know they're, they're not quite like the mob. Most of most of them are going to start ratting everyone out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And on a light note. I don't like talking to people behind their back, but it's obvious that Lance, our friend Lance, isn't, isn't imbibing tonight, huh? I guess he's not. He's not imbibing tonight. Oh, it, 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 well, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Heaven have, have, have forbid that you should call in. <laughs> with, hey, with hey some some people just need a little assistance, if you will, right? <laughs> yeah, he just needs a little pick me up, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. But Daniel, thanks for calling. I appreciate. Okay. Right. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Have a good night. Uh, and I think with that, I think we're pretty much uh, we've pretty much wrapped everything up. Uh, the, the lot going on. And I'll get into more of this stuff next week, like Eric Adams and Lori Lightfoot and these wonderful Democrat mayors. These, these just did that tell you they they've really done such a a bang up job with their cities. Okay, well, this has been and let's be heard. We had a good week. We had a we had a, a fun filled week. We had a fiery week. Some of these shows were very fiery, very fiery this week. Um, but I hope everyone has a good weekend. Hope you have big plans, big plans for the weekend. My name's Mike Gachopoli, Uh and I want to remind you: remember, always remember, vote Democrats out of office, vote them out now. Have a good weekend, and I'll catch you on the other side of the weekend, which is called Monday.